I don't know how much you kind of know about Asian culture, but sex and sex positivity and female body awareness empowerment is very much a taboo. It is, unfortunately, to this day, it is. And I think that when I was younger, I was very in tune with my sexuality. I, I felt like I was very, very sexually aware. And I, I felt within myself, I felt confidence to a certain degree in terms of my sexuality, not necessarily myself, but my sexuality. And so if you stop somebody or a culture from doing something and you repress and you repress and you repress, two things can happen. One is you can become super conservative or the other thing is the most extreme, you can absolutely rebel. And I think that simmered to a boil and this opportunity for burlesque just, it exploded within me. All this pent up desire to express my female sexuality just kind of exploded. Hello and welcome to the Women of the Future podcast, a podcast made in collaboration with the Women of the Future programme, a platform built to unlock a culture of kindness and collaboration among leaders, as well as support and celebrate the successes of women. I'm Kim Rowell and I won the media category at their awards in 2018, in recognition of my continued work as a commissioner, producer and children's author, particularly within the mental health remit. I'll be talking to my guests on this podcast about their careers, who or what gave them their first big break, their successes, failures and inspirations along the way, and how they came to be a part of the Women of the Future Network. Suki Singapura is a burlesque performer and activist. Born to a Singaporean Indian father and an English mother, Suki has achieved worldwide recognition as the first international burlesque performer from Singapore, founding the Singapore Burlesque Society in 2012 to protect Asian women and men wanting to pursue a career in burlesque. Suki's television debut came as one of the cast for Netflix's unscripted docuseries Singapore Social, following the lives of young, successful Singaporeans and notable for being the first docuseries with an all-Asian cast based in Asia for global release. It gained Suki legions of fans around the world. Suki has worked to change the stereotypes and misconceptions about burlesque and to encourage others to try the performance style. Speaking on her activism in this space, Suki has stated, this is not just an opportunity to prove that burlesque can make a difference, it is a responsibility. Her outspoken political views on freedom of expression for women in socially restrictive countries saw her recognised on the shortlist for the Asian Women of Achievement Awards in 2013. I had a super biracial upbringing in that my dad is Indian Singaporean and my mom's British. So I kind of had those mixture of two cultures and two places growing up. It was interesting. It was eclectic. It was occasionally confusing, but it really made me feel unique. And I guess in the long run, it helped me forge this identity because you kind of try and find yourself. I feel like as a biracial person, you try and find yourself and that can lead to greater discoveries that maybe you wouldn't have if you were from a single culture. What I mean is, is that I got into my career as it is because growing up, I always felt like I was too pale to be fully Singaporean and too brown to be fully British. 
And that allowed me to discover vintage fashion. And it was my childhood and my upbringing that really then allowed me to discover burlesque through vintage fashion. So I guess my childhood and my upbringing had a direct impact on the woman that I became, which is all down to that biracial household and everything that emanates from that space and discovery. So when you came to the UK, obviously a massive cultural shift generally, but that you were saying there, the influences that you had or you were part of your life, how did they feed into what you were, I suppose the trajectory you were heading off on? How did it help mould and shape those kind of things? Were they all part and parcel of that whole path or was it a little bit of a squiggly road to to get there um well I was in the UK but I suppose growing up in that bubble of you know little Singapore yeah it wasn't a straight line to be honest with you not just because of location geographically and where I'd spent time but really just because of culturally I was from a very strict family where my parents are both doctors and the rest of my family are entirely doctors. Mm-hmm. And there was that expectation that when I was growing and developing that I should also follow sciences and that art wasn't valid. But very early on, it was so clear that I was trying to express myself. You know, my parents would try and take a picture of me and I would pose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas my other sisters would just kind of stand there. But yeah, because they wanted this of me and because of that cultural upbringing, they felt like I should follow sciences. I ended up doing so. So mm-hmm. I actually up on a completely different path than what I felt like I was destined to be on you worked in IT for a bit didn't you yeah I did wow that's a bit of the opposite spectrum (laughs) well I'm actually a total nerd so I kind of did it and I was good at it but it wasn't my calling if that makes sense I loved it I love geeking about the place um but it wasn't my it wasn't my raison d'etre it wasn't within my soul so I ended up yet yeah, doing science ended up teaching myself IT getting a job in IT and I'm kind of sitting in this corporate office very male dominated environment zero creativity artistically and I was thinking to myself this is not who I am this is not what I'm destined to be so from that trajectory and I'd done quite well in it complete u-turn when I just decided you know what this is breaking point I want to follow the arts and I really believe that sometimes when you're in tune with something, you see markers, you become more aware of things, maybe call it the law of attraction or manifestation. But if you feel like you need something, you'll see it all the time. Mm. And so a club happened to open a theatre down the road from me auditioning for burlesque artists. And I'd kind of seen burlesque and I'd seen vintage fashion. I was thinking, oh, I'd love to be that glamorous one day. And it felt like a sign. So, yeah, I went and marched myself on into the club and I said with zero experience I'm a professional burlesque dancer you must hire me and they bought it I was in there with my friend and she helped pitch in and we were really enthusiastic we're like come on give us a job and they said okay great start next Friday so I had at this point you had no training zero training zero training absolutely nothing I had a bit of ballet when I was younger so I loved ballet but of course my parents really strongly emphasized this is an extracurricular activity and this isn't going to be you so I had that but really zero stage training nothing at all absolutely nothing and I was I still am to this day very socially awkward. So then why would you wander into um, a burlesque? Do you know what? I think it was that affinity I had to vintage fashion and finding that place where it didn't matter what color your skin was or where you were from, there was a home for you. I really found a synergy and identity through that. 
And then when you hear about the depression, you hear about burlesque. And I don't know how much you kind of know about Asian culture, but sex and sex positivity and female body awareness empowerment is very much a taboo. It is, unfortunately, to this day, it is. And I think that when I was younger, I was very in tune with my sexuality. I, I felt like I was very, very sexually aware. And I, I felt within myself, I felt confidence to a certain degree in terms of my sexuality, not necessarily myself, but my sexuality. And so if you stop somebody or a culture from doing something and you repress and you repress and you repress, two things can happen. One is you can become super conservative or the other thing is the most extreme, you can absolutely rebel. And I think that simmered to a boil and this opportunity for burlesque just, it exploded within me, all this pent up desire to express my female sexuality, just kind of exploded so yeah I ended up having to teach myself burlesque off of YouTube in seven days going down to Ann Summers not understanding how to take lingerie off without looking facing forward (laughs) and all kinds of things you know there was no bra twist you have to do it with style so I didn't Mm -hmm. know any of this you know but I did it how um, did it go how did it go that first performance I'm not going to lie to you, it didn't really execute itself with the finesse that I'd have hoped. (laughs) However, however, the point of burlesque is not necessarily to be the best dancer in the world, actually. It's really welcoming in that it's about a woman taking her sexuality and feeling good and empowering other women to have confidence. 80% of the audience are women, so it's by women for women. And it's really just about feeling good within yourself and inspiring the audience to feel good. And they loved the fact that things weren't perfect and things didn't go quite right because it was about the fact that there is a woman standing on stage feeling confident and saying that it doesn't matter who you are, you could do this as well. And so they loved it. So they brought me back. And so by day, I was in my IT office, Mm. like Clark Kent. And by night, (laughs) I was doing burlesque (laughs) at the weekends until I started to get good at it. And then the rest is history. I had to take the plunge and I made the decision to quit my IT job. It's quite an incredible story. Like you say, almost (laughs) like Clark Kent going into the phone box and shedding (laughs) the office glasses and suit and whatever else. Yeah, um, it was. But also, you've touched on it, but your heritage the culture that you're from or the misconceptions Mm -hmm. and the stereotypes they don't work harmoniously with burlesque do they generally how have you found trying to bridge that divide or educate people on why you're doing it why it's important so that's a really good question because I think I'm still doing that to this day even though I've achieved certain things I still find myself torn between not censoring myself, but also being mindful of the community that looks up to me, especially now I have young girls from my community looking up to me. You have a sense of responsibility that perhaps I didn't have prior. But I think going into burlesque, I didn't go into burlesque necessarily for any other reason than a personal journey. And that personal journey was I had felt repressed and I was expressing myself. And so that sense of female empowerment was so intrinsic behind everything that I did that whenever anyone were to ask me about burlesque and as I progressed through my career that was a real focal point for me and I think if you conduct yourself from that place you can really sway opinions and misconceptions about what burlesque is. I wasn't just a performer it wasn't just about the burlesque performance for me it was about 
the right a woman has to take ownership of her body and also to educate that, yes, 80% of my fan base were female. So this isn't a sexual art form, it's a sensual art form. But like you say, with a huge part of my life, my culture, my heritage, my family, all being from the Asian culture, which absolutely frowned upon this, it was a very difficult and at times traumatic experience trying to get that right and also not anger, but I became sort of, yeah, I suppose it was almost almost to the level of anger that there's an injustice that as women, especially Asian women, we need to put a lid on it to be desirable and always vet ourselves from the perspective of the male gaze. So I still to this day haven't completely achieved it. You know, I still think to myself, oh, is that too sexy? Do I need to, you know, especially with young kids looking at me? But I think that if you conduct yourself from a place of class and always conduct yourself from an intelligent rhetoric, then I think eventually you can really educate the masses into acceptance of what should be accepted anyway. Is there a standout moment or a person that you would say has helped you along this career path or has helped facilitate something or been a guiding light? I mean, we talk a lot about mentors and coaches. Is there someone like that for you or have you Um, had to forge your own path? No, I very much had to forge my own path and it has been quite a lonely one. And I think it often is for many artists doing something where they feel like maybe they're pushing the boundaries. You know, Burlesque was almost, almost unheard of really in mainstream Singapore. And so I was really out on a limb and not only just being by myself, but almost inventing the rule book. And that was at times very daunting with zero support, especially negative support from Mm. my family. What kept you going in that regard? So couple of things one positive thing and one quite negative thing and I guess that's life right um so the positive thing was and this is going to sound ridiculous but I had icons in my head like Barbara Young, Kalani Coconuts, obviously Dita Von Tease, and but also Muhammad Ali who would say to himself every single morning I am the greatest and I really took that within myself like even if you feel sad or depressed or you're struggling look in the mirror and brainwash yourself into saying, you can do this, you're the greatest, power through. And I really just drew strength from that to get me through. But the other thing was, and I look back on it now and I laugh, but it was very much a desire to make my dad proud. And because he had never said that he was proud of me, and because he almost was ashamed of me at the start, that desire ridiculously enough as an Asian woman to show him really powered me through more than I've probably realized it's almost funny because I look back and I think oh you know they pushed me to do the sciences but really it was that same mentality of you have to be the best in the world for your parents to be proud that actually drove me to have the success that I've currently had and so that was um that was it was very sad because it's quite hollow and I remember now my father and I are you know on great terms and my family have actually thankfully just over the last years and especially after Netflix started to tentatively support me and accept me 
But my dad said something that was quite poignant. And he said, if you're trying to fill a hollow in your life, it will never be enough. Mm. And that was really interesting to me because I think that was at the point of which I realized, you know, in your career, I was always trying to get something bigger and bigger and bigger to fill this void of if hundreds will accept me, maybe that will fill the hole. If thousands will accept me, maybe that will fill the hole of a father saying they're proud. If millions accept me, maybe that will fill the hole. But it never feels, it, of course, it never fills the hole. You have to go through and you have to look back at yourself and you have to fix those problems within yourself and those around you, which I did. But yeah, that was kind of very much the fuel as well to my, I suppose, ambitious fire. It sounds a bit heartbreaking, Suki, because you're talking about the void. And having <laughs> no, it has a happy it, ending. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, it seems like you're in a really good place right now. And you mentioned yeah. Singapore Social. And if right. I tell anyone who doesn't know, it's a Netflix original television series which followed the lives of young, successful Singaporeans as they defy expectations and traverse the tricky terrain of career, romance and family. And you were in it right you were kind of yes I was main star so how did that all come about and what's it been like for you um gosh just unbelievable to be honest with you it came about I suppose because the movie Crazy Rich Asians came out and after that there was I love that movie yes (laughs) (laughs) so there was um set in Singapore obviously and then after that there was this manic scramble for production companies to find the real life crazy rich Asians. Well, you know, they found the rich, but I suppose in Singapore, if you're trying to find somebody who definitely does things against the mold, and I'd ended up making quite a name for myself, it was almost inevitable that I was going to end up adding the crazy inverted commas (laughs) with burlesque because it was so unusual. So yeah, it kind of built up a profile and that really helped. Because I think if you really push yourself, push yourself and you build up this profile, at some point something will stick. It really, really will. And you will get noticed if you do it from a place of passion. So yeah, one of the producers contacted me and said they were scouting for the show. They pitched it as a docu-series. Hmm. It's reality television. <laughs> so, you know, in my almost slightly naive, I suppose, mindset, I said, yeah, that sounds absolutely great. And then I embarked on this fantabulous four months of a whole camera crew following every infidesimal moment of my life and that's the result of it I suppose is the probably highly edited version Mm. that you see today but it was just amazing because yeah I worked so hard for that big moment and it came and that was actually the moment when my dad when it came out he sent me an email and the subject line was Netflix and in the body of the email was two words well done full stop and that was like when everything just kind of came together and there's a message in that because yes you know what everyone has a difficult and a convoluted story to tell everyone does you know earth is a bizarre place that we exist in and we weave our way and we try and find connection and similarities between people But in the end, if you're a good person, if you're a truly good person and you work hard and you come from a place of complete kindness, I think those around you who perhaps didn't believe in you or anyone who who doubted you or anyone who's listening and thinks, oh, my parents would never let me do that, they do eventually come around. And I think if you stay true to yourself, that will, it doesn't always, but more often than not, that will happen. 
Here, here. And I think it's integrity as well, which is obviously something that is very, very true to your heart just yeah. from hearing you speak. Yeah, absolutely. I think people can smell insincerity. Mm. And to be honest, insincerity is just defunct in this new world we live in where everyone's looking at our real feelings. You know, we're all searching for real human connection. Even in our heroes, we want to see human moments. And I think that being completely and utterly disarmed is the only way to flourish, especially as a woman in entertainment or business. I think if you can disarm yourself, that's not a weakness anymore. I think that that's an incredibly powerful strength. Mic drop. (laughs) 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 Lovely lovely little quote there. So across all the work that you've done, obviously Singapore Social, you must be ridiculously proud of, but is there anything in particular that stands out for you as a moment of pride? Um, Wow, gosh, do you know what? There have been a lot of moments where I've just kind of thought, I can't believe this is my life. And um, to have not come from that background and to achieve it, yeah, Singapore Social was definitely one that has been amazing. Girls and parents sending me video clips of their kids pretending to be Suki from Singapore Social <laughs> and just being like, oh, I'm going to encourage her to do the arts because you you seem like a really, you know, just changing lives on a small scale has just been really fulfilling to me. But I think the greatest highlight in my career and my life has actually been the person that I've become I know that sounds super corny and that's not like a glam thing it's not like (laughs) Hollywood and showbiz and the parties that we've all been to and (laughs) all of that but I think just the person that I've become I'm just the most proud of because I think that people in this industry especially in entertainment I guess you kind of, it's like a duck. They glide, but underneath it's just crazy legs. And I think to get through that and to still become a well-rounded, you know, thoughtful individual and somebody that I'd say, yeah, you know what, I'm proud of the woman that you've become. It's just, I'm so proud of her because I think looking back as a child, if I were to look at myself now, I wouldn't have thought I'd made it through you know, because of all the trials and struggles. I honestly didn't know where things were going when I was being forced to follow this career of science and fighting against my family and my culture. I just, I didn't know how it was going to turn out. And I'm, I'm very proud of the person that I've become. And, you know, I think that it's important for us to, to really be proud of ourselves. You know, we often don't take that time to look at ourselves in the mirror and go, you know, you are a badass like well done honestly it doesn't even matter this point is enough and if you do anything else it's a friggin' bonus I think we all need to say that to ourselves and that's certainly the case for myself how did you first hear about the woman of the future program and how did you get involved with it wow um gosh that's throwing it back to 2013 (laughs) Um, (laughs) way back when it's all about Pinky Lilani, isn't it? It's of course. It's all about Pinky. So I think, if I'm not mistaken, a friend of mine, Melody, knew about the awards and knew about Pinky. And she nominated me for the, actually the Asian Women of Achievement Awards, not the Women of the Future Awards. That was before I'd campaigned about burlesque to be taken seriously and legitimized in Singapore. And it was before I'd really done any massive achievements, but she felt like I was worthy 
I kind of did it and I, I didn't win, but I ended up being shortlisted. And through that, I met Pinky. And Pinky has quite literally changed my life. If anyone doesn't know Pinky Lilani, she's the mother of all of us. She's the ultimate, in my opinion, certainly, mixture of kindness, business and strength. And she sort of took to me and adopted me like a daughter. And I really see her as my second mom and just took me under her wing and just really guided me through these last couple of years, to be honest with you. But it feels like she's been in my life forever, actually, when you talk about mentors, really. That, I think, recently has been Pinky, to be honest with you. And she's connected me to everyone. And then I ended up being a finalist again for the Women of the Future Awards this year. And we've stayed in touch. And she's just fantastic. And that's how I've met you and built up these incredible relationships, because she's the ultimate connector of people. Now she can't get rid of me. Now I'm 100% on board with the Women of the Future program because it's not just an award ceremony. It feels like a community and a family. And I think the women all involved in it, there's no egos or there's no sense of no one's too busy for anyone. It doesn't matter what level you're on. You can be having tea with somebody who's just started painting or you can be at Pinky's house sitting down with somebody from the United Nations and everyone supports each other. And so... I'm just loving being part of that whole community. I have some quick fire questions for you just to finish. Are you ready? Here we go. All right. Hang on. Sweaty armpits. (laughs) (laughs) What would you describe as your greatest success? My greatest success? Yeah. The human that I've become. And your greatest failure? The toll it took. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The mantra of Women of the Future is kindness and collaboration. What does that mean to you in both your personal and professional life? Um, Operate with true transparency. Always help people without needing anything in return. And genuinely do things from a place of passion and integrity and support others who want to get where you're at but maybe just need that little stepping stone because yes, there'll be always people ahead of you, but there'll also be people behind you and Mm. those people need your help. And so, yeah. I guess I'm curious, having listened to you talk about everything that's happened in your career to date, has kindness been there for you, would you say? Or is it more so now? No, always. I've always been um, painfully... kind I suppose occasionally to my detriment because you know it's not always appreciated especially if you're in super male dominated savage patriarchal environment Mm. however on the whole yes it's just the way I was brought up I suppose it's just something that's been in me Mm. I haven't seen not to be kind because actually when you're kind you get further anyway so there's no negative repercussion of being kind Mm. has it been reciprocated though I guess is what I mean is that you have you had it yeah, absolutely. I think so. I think people, especially um, the higher you get up, people tend to become mirrors. And so in entertainment, if you're a kind person, that allows people that space to also let go and be kind, especially in you know, personal and my professional life. If you go in disarmed and genuinely willing to help people, I think there's no need for the front anymore from their side. And, and it just removes ego and you want to help each other and I've really felt a sense of that of course there have been times where it hasn't been reciprocated because things can get cutthroat 
this is the world that we live in. It isn't all roses. But on the whole, I find just coming from that place of kindness, just 90% of the time will get you where you need to go. Is there anything that scares you? Yeah, actually, uh, yeah, there is something that's, oh, Kim, you're going to get it all out of me. <laughs> it's like oh therapy. Oh, my gosh, right? <laughs> squeezing me like a pomegranate. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I fear um, as I've got, not, not older, obviously, but slightly older, I'm afraid as a woman, this might be premature and it might be scaring any potential dates, but where do we find time to juggle you know, thinking about our future and kids and where we're going to live. Because I think, I know it sounds like a cliche, and of course, women can do it all. I believe that stronger than anything. But I fear that being so career orientated, I don't really leave much room for a personal life. And I often am totally afraid that there's going to come a point where I'm like, Oh shit, they'll do. And you'll settle for the like, wrong person. Just that kind of thing. Yeah. Rampantly mating in order to like <laughs> sow my legacy. I'm kidding, but I mean, you know what I, I think mean? that might be a bit of a cue if that ever became. No, no, the case. no, no, no. But I do, I worry about things like that. You know, I do, no one wants to run out of time and, and have to make that decision. And I think as women, you know you get to a point where you just you, you think about that even yeah. if it's years off you start to think about it you really do you think about that and I don't know about you has that ever has that ever concerned you do you ever get worried about that kind of thing I hear what you're saying and um I I'm very fortunate that I have a very supportive family I have a, a husband and a little girl and but I do oh. I do understand what you're saying because you don't it, it's really hard and it's, yeah. it's sometimes it's almost impossible to have that right balance because there's still so much I want for myself and I'm, I am ambitious and you don't want to be seen as being selfish but I need my own identity and yeah. it's balancing that out as much as I adore both of them there are still things that I need for me but I completely yeah. hear what you're saying yeah I think that's that is um that is the one thing I think if you were to look at men and women and you know all genders in between as being equal I think that decision that almost compromise biologically that we or in you know even you know not necessarily biologically because even just becoming a parent we really do have to make a super hard call that I don't know is necessarily the same for men and for that reason I just think we are absolutely badasses because that is so tough to traverse and in the end I don't think anyone gets it right or wrong that's the conclusion that I feel like I come to so I think we just muddle through there's no rule book on it and hopefully it will kind of all work out I suppose and just be kind to yourself through the process don't 100%. speak to yourself kindly that's all I can say yeah absolutely 100% what's left in your to-do list Oh, that's it's a long a, one, right? I tell you what, <laughs> <laughs> really long it's one. like it's like one of those cartoon scrolls where you think you're <laughs> opening it and then it just goes. Dum, 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 dum. Um, a couple of things on my to do list. So I'm I'm loving television at the moment. I'm really loving the direction that Netflix is taking me in. I definitely want to do more of that. I really push myself on that. 
And I've always enjoyed writing and poetry, so I'd love to put my hand at penning something, penning a script or something like that. And uh, yeah, just just little things. So I just think creating that legacy for myself. I'm proud of myself, but you know, saying yeah, I've done everything that I really would have liked to have done and imparted on Earth, maybe to help the next generation or somebody else who's going through something that I've been through or they're kind of struggling to make their way. Just not have to be like I was a role model for myself, but have somebody that they can look up to and maybe replicate the same kind of thing. So I'd love to leave that a legacy list, I suppose I call it a legacy list. Vicky, it's been brilliant speaking to you. Thank you, you so much for your time. I know you're oh, a very, you. very busy lady and <laughs> just having a snapshot of your life is hugely, hugely inspiring. So thank you for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Women of the Future podcast. If you enjoyed it, please hit the subscribe button. And while you're there, why not give us a rating and review? You know you want to. For more about the Women of the Future Awards, network and initiative, please visit www.womenofthefuture.co.uk. See you soon.